0: Well, let me just add my welcome to those that you've already received on the north side of the street. Merry Christmas to you um, and to all who are here on the south side. Let me just say again, Merry Christmas from Allison and myself, as well as Mark and Arlene and the entire CA pastoral staff. We're so grateful to get to serve such a wonderful church. If you're a visitor guest, we're honored that you're here among us as well. Well, for most of us, we have a picture of how we want Christmas to unfold, right? You know the old poem, the children were uh, nestled all snug in their beds with vision of sugar plums dancing in their heads, right? I mean, that's the best vision they could come up with, fruit with sugar. That was, that was the best. I mean, I want to say to those kids, like, up your dream game. Get a, get a bigger vision of like, you know, a dark chocolate brownie with walnuts dancing in your head. Or have you never heard of a donut, a chocolate donut in your head? We all have kind of visions or dreams of how we want Christmas to unfold. I think that's why so many people tend to send out Christmas photos to our friends this time of year. You know the drill if you do it. We try to capture that perfect moment. Now, I'm married. I have three children. And uh, so we, we try to capture that perfect moment in a perfect setting where all of the kids are acting like perfect angels looking perfectly at the camera. Now, don't hear me as throwing shade on those Christmas photos. I like those cards. I love them, in fact. But if your family or your experience is anything like mine, what happens right before the photo and right after the photo That doesn't make it in the Christmas card we send out. You're running running late. The kids are fighting. Everyone's stressed out. You turn to your spouse maybe and say, why do we even have to do this? I don't even like this. Everyone's standing there for one moment to capture the picture of how we want Christmas to look and unfold. Maybe you don't send out Christmas photos but you post your picture of Christmas on Snapchat, send it out, Instagram, Facebook. The truth of the matter is that for Christmas, most of us have a picture of how we want it to unfold. But the real truth underneath that is that it's a chaotic season for many of us. For those who have lost loved ones, it's a lonely season. A challenging season. We have this kind of painful, weird collision of our perfect picture expectations with our actual experience. And we end up thinking, I must be doing Christmas wrong. Like everybody else, it kind of lives up to their expectation, but not me. What do you do when life is not unfolding how you pictured it? God has given us a great model to follow to answer that question. And one of the people who experienced the very first Christmas On the very first time it happened. Let's consider that. But before we do, let's pray. God, we thank you for your mercy. It is your mercy that makes Christmas merry. It is the fact that you are so generous that you would hold nothing back. Not even your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for being the God who gave us your promises and then made good on those promises So we can know that you are a good God who we can trust. As we come to your word now, would you speak to us in a way that we can understand? We know that you can do it. I pray, Lord, for all who gather and ask, Lord, that you would draw them a step closer to you. For any who don't know you, that they would cross the line of faith before we're finished. For those who do know you, that they would deepen their affection and love. For you this season, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and grab your bulletin, hopefully you got on the way in. If you flip it open to the center section, you'll see the scriptures that are there that we'll be digging into, as well as the teaching notes with fill in blanks that you can fill out throughout our time together as we go along. Well, if there ever was a person who had the right to say, this is not how I pictured it, this is not how I pictured life unfolding, it was Joseph. We pick up the story in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says this, This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she, found, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, imagine if you're Joseph. If you're Joseph, if I'm Joseph, I'd be thinking, um, this is not how I pictured this relationship going down. This is not how I thought this would happen. This is not the plan that I had for my life. This is not the plan that I had kind of written out. As the theologian Mike Tyson once said, everybody has a plan (laughs) until they get punched in the mouth. And Joseph gets punched in the mouth when he gets the news that his fiance is now pregnant. Imagine the Feelings of betrayal, the feelings of embarrassment, the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the loneliness. Some of you, some of you don't need to imagine those feelings because you're living them right now. Maybe for you, you would hope that you would be married by this Christmas, but it hasn't happened and you think this is not how I pictured it. Maybe for you, you had big plans for your business and that hasn't happened worked out, or you had big dreams and plans for a promotion at work and it hasn't happened. Those big plans aren't coming through and you're thinking, this is not how I pictured it. Or maybe your health or that of a loved one is failing and you're thinking, this is not how I pictured it. Or maybe you're raising a child and raising that child as they grow up, their teen years or even young adult years, it's been harder than you ever imagined and You think, this is not how I pictured it. You have a longtime friend, and that friendship turns south, and you begin to think, this is not how I pictured this friendship. Joseph has to be thinking, God, here I am. I'm living a life faithful to your word and to your law, and this is what I get. This is not how I pictured this. And Joseph, I believe that God is giving us a picture of how to respond when life doesn't unfold the way that we had planned, the way that we had pictured it. And the first thing that we see from Joseph's life on that first Christmas is this, that when things don't go as you had pictured them, when the plan doesn't unfold as the way you thought it would, you need to resolve to be a person of grace and truth. In verse 19 it says this, Because Joseph... Her husband was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He resolved to divorce her quietly. He decided to do what everyone in that culture back then... And everybody in this culture today tells us is impossible. He resolves, he decides, he makes a choice, he determines to be a person that brings both grace and truth together. We don't always get a choice in how the picture unfolds, but we always get a choice in how we respond to the unfolding picture of our life. Where in your life today do you need to be a man or a woman that brings together both grace and and truth now our culture will tell you that's impossible our culture likes to polarize everyone and everything and to pick sides on this side they would say you can have grace and on this side you can have truth but you can't have both of those together you can't stand with grace and truth together but if we don't believe that grace and truth can be held together in fact We must believe that it is to be held together for God's people and for God's plan. If we don't believe that, then we've missed one of the foundational realities of Christmas. You see, it's not just that Jesus Christ has come into the world. It's that Jesus came into the world and we are told he was a person full of grace and truth. Not grace or truth, not one or the other, not picking sides, but that God fully present in Jesus comes and says grace and truth fit perfectly together. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh, speaking about Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth can never be separated in the kingdom of God. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Chris Hodges and he said it this way, truth without grace is mean and grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is mean, but grace without truth is meaningless. You see, if you applaud and you cheer for what God calls sin, you are not only not being a person of truth, I would argue you misunderstand grace as well. Grace doesn't applaud for sin. Grace pays for it by dying a costly death on the cross to defeat it. Every time you tell someone, hey, that sin's no big deal, or you stand and cheer for that sin, effectively you are booing the cross. Because in effect, what you're saying, sin is no big deal. Or maybe you'd say, sin should be celebrated, but the story of Christmas is that sin is not to be celebrated, it is to be exterminated. And that's why Jesus came full of grace and truth. Now here's what the angel eventually tells Joseph. He says, Mary will bear bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will celebrate our sin and tell us that it is no big deal. No, that's not actually what the angel actually said. Here's what the angel actually says. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, at this point of the Christmas story, Joseph is thinking that Mary has cheated on him. Joseph is giving us a picture of how to respond whenever a loved one seemingly has done something that we simply can't celebrate, agree with, or applaud if we're to be faithful to God and His Word. Joseph clearly can't agree and applaud this apparent choice that Mary has made, but neither does he let his disagreement drive him towards hatred. Joseph decides to not publicly disgrace the one who seemingly has publicly disgraced him. Rick Warren once observed this about our culture. He said, our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, then you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means that you agree with everything they believe or do. And both of those are nonsense. You don't have to compromise your convictions to be compassionate. What do you do when life isn't unfolding the way you pictured it? Christmas tells us that the first thing you need to do is resolve to be a person, a man or woman of grace and truth. Joseph did it. And more importantly, Jesus was it full of grace and truth together, so that we could become people of grace and truth as well. The second thing that we see in this Christmas story is this, is that you don't have to understand God's plan to trust God's purpose. You don't have to understand God's plan. He doesn't have to give you all of the details in order for you to trust God's purpose in your life. Things are not going as Joseph pictured them, but he's resolved to be a person of grace and truth, to divorce Mary quietly so as not to publicly disgrace her. But then we pick up the story in verse 20, and it says, But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken By the Lord through the prophet who said, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but he had no marital relations with her until she had born a son and he named him Jesus. Well, surely this message from the angel is left Joseph, with some questions. I mean, how exactly did you put the child in Mary's womb? And why did you pick us to be the ones that would raise this child? And how exactly is this son going to save his people from their sins? Maybe you're facing your own dilemma this Christmas. God, can you just tell me how exactly the plan will unfold, and then I will be able to trust you. I mean, if you would give me a crystal ball and if you would tell me all the twists and turns that are going to happen in my life, then when those things happen, I'll know that I can trust you. How exactly will you redeem this marriage that feels so cold and distant? How exactly will you redeem this friendship? How will you mend this body how will you restore this business? How will you reach my prodigal child? How will you answer this prayer? God, why did you close the door that I prayed would open? And why did you open the door that I'm not too excited about? Proverbs says it this way. Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all of your ways, submit to Him and He will direct your paths. Joseph is living that out. This is not how I pictured my life unfolding. But God, though I don't understand your ways, I trust that you are at work in this. And so I submit myself to you, trusting you and that you will direct my path. That when it's all said and done, when I look back, I will see a larger plan that you are unfolding. And even though I don't understand it all now, it's okay because I'm trusting you as I go. You see, Christmas faith is not a faith that understands all of God's plans. A Christmas faith is one that welcomes God's word into your life. Even when it disrupts your life when you do that that trust God's Word, that it is good, even if you perfectly can't explain how it's all going to fit together in the story. Mary welcomed God's Word incarnated as Jesus in her womb. Joseph welcomed God's Word as the supreme guide to his life. And because of this, God directed their paths. Life might not look right now like you pictured it, You might not be able to explain it all to all your friends and family. But if you say yes to God's word, his promise is that he will be with you and he will direct and guide your paths. And so when all is said and done, when you look back at the majestic tapestry that God is weaving together by you inviting and entrusting God's word into your life, you will see that it is majestic to behold that he did that with your yes and that he did that with your life. That brings us to the third thing we see from this Christmas story, which is this. is I would encourage you to don't let your picture make you miss God's purpose. Don't let your picture miss God's purpose. Joseph's picture was that he should be planning a wedding. Joseph, I know that you were planning a wedding, but while you were planning a wedding, God was planning to save the world. I know that didn't fit quite into your picture exactly how you wanted it to. I know that he wasn't invited on the guest list. I know it's an alteration of what you thought life would hold for you at this point in your relationship. It's not how you pictured it, but God is at work in the picture. So often we want to know how the whole plan is going to work out before we take the first step. But that is not how God works. Why not? Because God is not interested in only accomplishing something through your life. He's trying to accomplish something in your life and in your heart as well. So that you can see that God is good. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said it this way. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. God wants to build faith in us. And that only happens by trusting and living by the word that God has given us, even though we might not see the whole picture and how it all is going to fit together and how it's all going to match up in our life. And this is exactly how Joseph responded every time God's word came into his life. Four different times in the Christmas story, we are told that Joseph obeyed what God had told him to do. And each time it fulfilled a larger picture of what God was at work building and creating through his life. I would imagine each time that God sent an angel to Joseph, each message that came to him, he would have felt like this is not how I pictured it. Joseph obeys by taking Mary to be his wife, though not consummating their marriage, until she gave birth to their firstborn, to the firstborn son, and naming him Jesus This is not how I pictured it. Joseph is thinking, this is not how I thought our family would begin. But I'm trusting God's word and its purpose to prevail. Later, after the wise men came, we pick up Joseph's story again. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, When they had gone, referring to the wise men, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Joseph's probably thinking, okay, um, you know, I didn't really have Egypt on my bucket list. Like that wasn't kind of, I don't know, is Egypt even nice this time of year? Like he doesn't even get to ask that question. This is not how I pictured it. But as your word comes to me, I will trust and obey you so that my picture doesn't make me miss your purpose being fulfilled through my life. After Herod died, we see this again. God's word comes again through an angel telling Joseph, To take Mary and Jesus to the land of Israel. So Joseph obeys. In verse 22, we read But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, Joseph was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called, that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Once again, we see, well, this isn't, this isn't how I pictured it, but God, I'm trusting as your word comes to me, and as I choose to say yes to you and your word, that you are creating something majestic to behold. Now, little sub point here for us all, so that we don't get uh, a little crazy and become spiritually deceived by the enemy. We're talking about when God's word comes to you. And what I want to explain to you is that God's word to you will always agree to God's revealed word to us. If you want to know what God is saying to you, you begin with God's revealed word, which is known as the Bible. Notice each time God sent his message to Joseph through the angel, it fulfilled and agreed what God had already said to his people through the prophets. It was, he said this, and Joseph obeyed, and that fulfilled what God had already said would happen and occur. At no point in the Christmas story do we hear, well, what God said back then doesn't apply now. At no point do we hear the angel coming and saying, you know, back then God said that, but now times have changed, so we don't hear that at all. Actually, what we hear in the Christmas story is the exact opposite. That what God said back then is being worked out and fulfilled right now. Sometimes we can become so committed to our picture of how life should unfold that we miss God's purpose. Let me ask you, what if your plan C for your life was God's plan A for your life? Would you be okay with that? Could you say yes to that? Look, if everything has unfolded in life exactly how you pictured it, don't you see that you wouldn't then become desperate enough to need a God who is with you? Don't you see that sometimes when the picture doesn't match up to how you think it should have matched up, that those often are the moments when we come to the limit of ourselves, we come to the end of ourselves, and a relationship with God can begin, or begin afresh. Remember, Jesus coming to earth wasn't God calling an audible from heaven. He's not at the line of scrimmage saying, oh, I didn't know Herod was going to do that. Well, since that's going to happen, then I'm going to have to send my son down there to take care of this mess. No, that's not the picture we get of Christmas. Each time the angel told Joseph to do something, that wasn't how Joseph pictured it. It was, in fact, exactly how God pictured it. And for a moment there, it seems like the picture went sideways. Jesus went down in the grave. He went from a born in a borrowed manger to being buried in a borrowed tomb. And the devil thought, well, this is exactly how I pictured it. He thought he had killed the one who had come to save the world. He thought he had extinguished the light of the world. But early one Sunday morning, and I'm skipping over Christmas, going to Easter now, (laughs) Jesus got up. With power in his hand. And he said, tell the devil, it might not be how you pictured it, but this is exactly how I pictured this unfolding. (laughs) Because I've taken hold of the keys of death and hell. This is exactly how I pictured it. In fact, here's the big picture that God's word gives us to those who want to place their hope and faith in Jesus Christ. We read this in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. It's there for you. Let me read it. An extended passage. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us. Think about that for a moment. Christmas was not an audible call because God didn't understand how history would unfold. Even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. No, God doesn't hate you. It brings Him great pleasure to adopt you into His family. So we praise God for the glorious grace He's poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in His kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. That's where we get the Christmas story. Why did Jesus come? He came because He would save His people from their sins. He has showered His kindness on us along with His wisdom and understanding. But God has now revealed to us His mysterious plan regarding Christ. A plan to fulfill His own good pleasure. And this is the plan that at the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. There's good news there. You might think, why is the world so chaotic? Why is it so nuts? Why is it so evil? It might be like that now, but what we just read is it won't be like that forever. Furthermore, it says, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For He chose us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. Notice the word there. It doesn't say, He makes everything work out exactly how you pictured it. But according to His plan. It goes on in verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, that means everybody who's not Jewish, have also heard the truth, the good news that God has come to save you. And when you believed in Christ, when you believed in Christ, if you've not done that, I'm going to give you the chance in a moment to do that but when you believe in Christ something happens in that moment here it is when you believed in Christ he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit his Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people and he did this so that we would praise and glorify him will you pray with me This Christmas, things might not be going as you pictured it. Maybe life has thrown you a few curveballs. Maybe others around you have thrown you a few curveballs. Maybe even God has thrown you a few curveballs. How will you respond this Christmas? What we see from God's Word is that He's inviting us to resolve to be a person of grace and truth together. Why? Because at Christmas, the one who is the epitome, the one who is the incarnation of grace and truth entered the world to save you and me from our sins. You don't have to understand all of God's plans. You don't have to be able to lay it all out and explain all of it. To trust God's purpose. This Christmas, don't let your picture make you miss God's purpose for you. And what is that purpose? Why did Jesus come at Christmas? To save us from our sins. Why? Why did He choose to do that? Because even before the foundation of the world, God loved you. He decided in advance that He wants to adopt you into his family, and to make you blameless, and to make you holy. Why? Why would God do that? Because it gives him the giggles. It gives him pleasure. It gives him joy to do this. God has a picture for you this Christmas. It is a picture where you are given every spiritual blessing In heaven. It is a picture that is filled with the richness of His kindness and grace and truth, where He purchased your freedom with the blood that Christ has given to forgive you. Right now, the picture might feel a little bit foggy sometimes, but this is where we are headed. This is the picture that is developing as history goes on, that at the right time, God will bring everything under the authority of Christ in heaven and on earth. So be encouraged this Christmas. God has a picture for you. It's still developing, but it's coming. Because He's promised that it's coming. And you might be thinking, well, how do I know that His promises are good? Because He promised that He would send His Son exactly as He sent His Son. And all of those fulfilled promises the first Christmas can make you trust His promises as we move forward into the future. It is a picture of you where you receive His inheritance from Him. Of Him placing His Holy Spirit in you. Of you who once were not a people being a people Under him, so that we would praise and glorify God. God's purpose is so that you would hear the good news that God saves you. You are here not by chance, my friend. You maybe came because your grandma said she won't have a happy Christmas unless you come to church, but God has planned for you to be here so that you can hear the good news that God loves you and He's come to save you and He's come this Christmas through Jesus, which means the one who will save. There is no other name by which you will be saved. Now, God has a picture for you But God won't force you to be in the picture that He has for you. You have a role to play. It's called faith. When you believe in Christ, God identifies you as His own. As someone who has said yes to His invitation to being in the picture that God has for us together. Will you say yes to be in God's picture for you? It might not be how you pictured it. But it's a whole lot better. Will you pray with me? Lord, I just pray now you would apply your word that we read and the message that I shared. That we would respond to it. Listen, on the way in, you got a response card. I want you to take that now. Even if you're like, "Ah, I don't know if I'll need it. It doesn't matter. Take it anyways. Just make the pastor happy, okay? So just kind of hold this, right? This is what the response card looks like. I want you to take that. And I'm going to walk you through right now three ways that you can respond to what was just shared. Three ways to respond to Christmas. The first is this. Lord, I pray now, would you be at work both sides of the street? Some of you... You need to hear that God loves you and He has come in Jesus Christ to save you from your sin. But as we read through Ephesians, you have to decide to believe. And once that happens, something mystical happens, I can't explain it all, but I trust it because of God's Word that you then are identified as God's own. You are adopted in His family in that moment. Your sin is now taken to the cross because you're saying, I want what Jesus did on the cross to apply to me. And it's not just that you're forgiven of your sin, though you are forgiven of your sin, but you are now invited, welcomed, adopted into the family of God. You might not even have any brothers and sisters, but you're going to join the largest family on planet Earth and throughout history, the most diverse family all around the globe that have said yes to Jesus Christ. So if that's you right now, as we pray, you could fill out that card and you just say, God, I'm saying yes to Jesus for the first time. I can't believe, God, that you love me enough that you had a plan for me before the foundation of the world and it included this moment to say yes to you. My friend, be set free from the guilt, from the shame, from the debt that you owe because Jesus has paid it for you. But my friend, if you do not want Jesus to pay your debt, then you will pay your debt on your own. Eternally separated from God. But what God's Word says is that if we acknowledge Jesus before others, that Jesus will acknowledge us before the Father who is in heaven. For you, make that first time decision to follow Christ. Fill out the card and check that first box, making a new commitment to Jesus. Maybe for others of you, you've made a decision to follow Christ before, but you've walked away, you've drifted, you've kind of gone sideways. And God says, no, 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 you come back again this Christmas. I want you to come back into the picture that I have for you. Come back into the plan I have for you. And if you are praying that prayer, you say, yes, Lord, I'm coming back again. Thank you that your mercy welcomes me. Because of what Jesus has done, you would check that second box. And maybe for others of you, you're in a space where you're like, I need to hear more. How do I know this is true? i got to dig in a little more. And you need to investigate faith. And you would check that third box. You might feel like, I'm so far from God. Well, what the wise men show us is those who are far from God sometimes end up being the closest to Him by the time the story's over. If you say yes to Jesus, He brings you right into His picture for you. If you want to investigate faith, check that box. Go ahead and fill it out in a moment. We're going to give you a little bit of time, a sacred space here to fill those cards out if you'd like to respond. And then in a moment, the ushers will come. They'll pass buckets. You can drop the card in there. And then simply what's going to happen is that in January, one of our pastoral team will follow up with you based off the decision you made to respond this Christmas. Worship leaders, would you play? And for the rest of us, Lord, would you be at work helping us know what decision you're inviting us to make as we respond to your message this Christmas.